Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Hallelujah. Turn the Bibles with me quickly. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. It says, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your reasonable service. Can you all say reasonable service? There are so many things I can preach from this verse, but the number one thing I want to emphasize, especially for the context of this service, is what Paul refers to as reasonable service. What does reasonable service mean? It simply refers to the way God wants to be served. That's what it means. The way God wants to be served. Service is meeting the preference of the person who is being served. Meeting the preference of the one who is being served. And so if you do it the way it will work for you, it may not work for the person that way. You see, I learned this, you know, by personal experience years ago. When I went to a restaurant, I told them specifically what I wanted. And when I tasted the food, I noticed that there was an ingredient that was there that I didn't ask for. And I said, why did you put this there? And she, she said, this was her language. She said, I upgraded the meal for you. Who asked you to? Because she thought she was doing me a favor because what she added was supposed to be more expensive. She thought I'll be thankful, but I don't like what she added. And so it's not reasonable if I don't like it. Come on, do you understand what I'm saying? And when it comes to the service of God, many of us make the mistake of king. We have an altar just like Abel. We have a sacrifice just like Abel. The only problem is it is not according to the protocols of worship that God has ordained. There is what is called reasonable service. There is service that is for your pocket. You know, in my marriage, it's not just like any other marriage. We have our, you know, uniqueness. And one particular uniqueness is this. My wife has learned not to surprise me. <laughs> you know, there are some people, you just take initiative and buy something, and you say surprise, and you go, wow. <laughs> but I can be a very picky human being, very, very picky. I'm appreciative. If you surprise me, I will be surprised. <laughs> but what won't be fair is for you to enforce my using that thing you bought. It won't be fair. It doesn't just work that way. You know, so what we do is this. When a special event is coming, my wife will ask me, what do you want? It works for us. I'm not saying <laughs> it works for us because like I said, I can be very picky. And I'm not even talking about expensive stuff. You know, as I was dressing up and just um, ruminating on my sermon, it just occurred to me that one of my favorite things to adorn when I'm, I'm dressing up is this simple pocket square. It might not be more than a thousand naira. You know, it was gotten for me by one of our members in the Abuja church, Alistair. You know, 
but I just like it because the way I dress, I like something to have a sharp contrast, usually the pocket square. Now, this might seem vain because I'm talking about myself. I'm not the center of attention. I'm just using this to buttress something. Another example is someone in this church bought me pens. There is a particular type of pens that I like. I have very expensive, sophisticated ones that I don't use. The one I like is not expensive at all. <laughs> you know? And so, I think on two occasions, and there are actually two people in this church. You know, so, um, I was talking to someone in my office, and I noticed the pen she was using to take note. I said, I really like this. I've been looking for this type of pen. And she bought me plenty. I was so happy. <laughs> now, someone else might spend lots of money, and I People have different preferences. Yesterday, I was arranging um, our wardrobe, and I saw this perfume. Now, I'm into perfumes, big on perfumes. That one, you can't go wrong. <laughs> it will be part of my will. It's, I have that much, many perfumes. I'm telling you, it's something to inherit. But my wife, <laughs> if you buy perfume for my she might change you she might change so don't take it to you know have that conversation where I hope I'm not blocking <laughs> you know but I found a perfume one of you bought for her one year ago <laughs> still in the pack she appreciates it but the way she thinks I already have one that is not finished <laughs> you know I mix you know what I'm saying you know they waste. <laughs> but my wife is, she's very modest with some things, and I'm modest too. Why are you laughing? Calm down. You know? But it's, it's gay words. And I'm just looking like, hey, this woman, Barakat Rogue, just in the park, sitting for one year. <laughs> so I carried it. I said, Madam, you will use this thing. We're going out. Oh, yeah? Do like this. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. But that's the reality. Everybody has their preferences. I know people with very interesting taste buds. So, um, in business management class years ago, we did like um, a teaching on marketing and market surveys. And years ago, a company was trying to find the right taste for their beverage drink. And after a lot of study, they discovered it's not about the right taste. There will never be a right taste. We need a right range of tastes. Because no matter how great a particular beverage is, some people will never like it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Tastes are different. And that's what reasonable service is. But some of us, we have the arrogance of Cain. It is what we want to give God, we think he must accept. And so even though all through the Old Testament, nobody ever really put crops on an altar except for a specific um, type of sacrifice called the grain offering. But usually, sacrifice, first and foremost, was not about you. It was not about what you do. It wasn't about your occupation. It was to prefigure what Christ was going to do. 
So by the sacrifice, there must be blood to show that the Messiah was going to die. But because Abel maybe, maybe was a shepherd boy and so took from his sheep, Cain thought it was about your occupation, the work of your hand. And so he also brought the work of his hand. Meanwhile, sacrifice is not by works. So it was the direct opposite. And when God didn't accept it, he was angry. And God came to him. Why are you angry? Why are you angry? If you do what is right, will you not be commended? Some of us are so arrogant in the way we want to go about our worship. Listen, one of the most profound things we learn about worship in the Bible is that it can be a total waste of time. You can expend your energy, draw out every dance move ever created from your book. You know, legwork and everything. You know, you can sweat from every pore in your body. And it still counts to God as nothing. From the beginning of the Bible, like in the story of Cain, to the end, the Bible is replete with examples about this. Think about this. That Jesus told the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, he says, you worship what you don't know. After 2,000 years of that type of worship, Jesus said, you are wasting your time. Imagine. So there can be a lot of effort. There can be a lot of money. Because lambs cost money. Do you understand what? For 2,000 years, they had spent a lot of money worshipping on that mountain and God never recognized it. Jesus said, you know not what you are worshipping. This is a total waste of time. John chapter 4 verse 22. What about in Romans chapter 10 verse 2? Paul, speaking of the Jews and their devotion said, For I bear record that they have the zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Just imagine that you can be zealous and ignorant, sincere but wrong. Let me tell you something. As nice as God is, as gracious and as merciful as he is, his protocols are his protocols. And as important as you think you are, you can be ignored. <laughs> I know that just busts your bubble and you know you're not used to that. You can be ignored. Have, you see, you can worship and be impressed that ah, I tried. And it doesn't count before God. Sometimes we worship as if we are the ones <laughs> Make sure you're not the only one enjoying it. You know, there is a lot of lightness in the church today. I'm sorry to say, but it needs to be said. Because we, you think you're in a clubhouse. You know? <laughs> you know, and I'm just saying, first and foremost, what you're doing, is it from your heart to the Lord? You can like to dance and do it in church. Now, I'm not even saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's right. Of course it's wrong. But <laughs> I'm not saying it's wrong or right. That's none of my business, actually. You know, but when you're doing it, do you know you can be so in the moment, so in the music, but not in the spirit? Let's be honest. 
Let's be honest. You like the music. And that's not wrong. But you, we're talking about reasonable service. Have you occurred, has it occurred to you that this might not count much with God? The Bible tells us something in Matthew chapter 15, verse 2, I think from verse 22, that Jesus was going on the road and a woman from Canaan, a Syrophoenician woman, she came worshiping. She called Jesus two things that people really called him. Two correct things. She called him Lord. Now, that's such a powerful thing to call the Son of God. The Bible says that if you shall believe in your heart the Lord Jesus, confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with a hard man believes unto righteousness, with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. Listen, there is ingratiated into the fabric of the protocol of salvation, the revelation of the Lordship of Jesus. I don't really have time. I think I talked on that about two months ago. But now, this woman called him Lord. Not just that, she called him son of David. And listen, some of you may not really realize that son of David was not just a genealogical analysis. By calling him son of David, you are, you are essentially saying you are the Messiah and I know it. For instance, you know, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 22, when Jesus performed miracles, you know, killed demonic possessed people, you know, and healed the sick. The Bible said that the multitude were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? So they knew that a particular son of David, the Messiah was coming. Could this be? And so this woman says, son of David, listen. So the content of the worship was correct. But the Bible says Jesus went on ignoring her. Ah, that's why I told you you can be ignored. <laughs> you can be ignored. He went on ignoring her. And her worship was so enthusiastic that the disciples were bothered by it. They said, ask this woman to go because she's too loud. She's bothering us. So the problem was not how loud she was. The problem was the protocol. Jesus at the time was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So listen, sometimes we get carried away with how well we can worship. Listen, if you have a good voice, we can enjoy that. I hope you know it doesn't really count with God. Doesn't mean we'll give you the mic. <laughs> because some of you, it's not about singing on key. You have no key. You've... You've never had key in your life. <laughs> you, you know, but then, your worship can even be more powerful. God doesn't grade it by voice. Are you with me? Let me give you an example that changed my life. You know, someone gave an example of how we walked into his house and saw that his toddler had tried to write him a note and said, Daddy, I love you. Like, she missed the spelling of love. 
If it is you, will you go there and say, oh no, this is not a way to spell love. Some people may be jerks like that too. <laughs> but listen, a normal human being, and there are very few of them these days, will come in and be like, oh, this girl, come here and hug the daughter. Isn't that true? And so that means it's not even about the eloquence. It's not about dotting the I's or crossing the T's. Come on, are you with me? Thank God for utterance gifts in the church, but a broken heart, God will not despise. So even when Hannah has no words, her prayer gets God's attention. Come on, are you listening to me? Hagar's child cannot even talk. But the baby is crying and God hears the cry of the baby. Now, that's prayer. Prayer is a business of utterance. But listen, a broken and a contrite heart, God will not despise. If you get the protocol right, it doesn't really matter what else you get wrong. What is the rule of worship? There's one major one. Oh my God. Please, are you with me? And it is called obedience. Please, what did I call it? Jesus said it is better to obey than to sacrifice. Oh my God. Thank God for the sacrifice of praise. Thank God for the fruit of your lips. But it is better to obey than to what? So let me give you a quick illustration. If there are two people in the church, please come forward. Let me use a lady. Now, this is, this is not any reflection of their personal devotion, just illustration. Now, if there are two people in the church, and now she's worship, he's singing, that's what we call worship usually. He's very enthusiastic and all over the place. He's the type of guy... You know, when you sit beside him in church, you know you're going to have service. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> He's always, right on, pastor. Yeah, glory. You know, and during the worship, glory. he's kneeling and shouting. <laughs> now, she doesn't do much of that, which is wrong. That's another teaching. All right? But listen, when God tells her, forgive, she forgives. But he does a lot of singing, but he doesn't listen to God. Are you aware of people like that? They can jump, shout, sing. They know all the hymns. They will roll on the floor, but when whilst they are at it, right there on their knees, if the Lord should speak to them and say, do this, they won't do it. This is why the Bible says, do not be Hear us alone, deceiving your own self. It's a devotional possibility. That self-deception and sabotage, you are sabotaging your worship. Now, who has worshipped better in the sight of God? She. Listen, the Bible says, if you come to the altar with your sacrifice, 
And there you remember that someone has ought against you. He said, drop your sacrifice. First go and make peace. Listen, these are the calls. So, you might be here right now. You love Jesus, but there are other things you're trying to ignore. And right now, as I'm preaching in your heart, you're going, don't go there, pastor. Don't go there, pastor. Don't go there. You know, I love Jesus, but do you know what that guy did to me? I'm never going to forgive him. That's the thing. You don't get to choose. He that keeps my commandment, Jesus said, it is he that loves me. Obedience is the love language of heaven. Thank God for your nice tambourine and your ability to shout and jump, you know, black American way. Bang, 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 bang. Bang, 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 Which, by the way, is the origin of legwork. God bless you. Please be seated. You know, but to obey is better than sacrifice. He that keeps my commandments is he that loves me. If you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. Please, are you listening to this? This is so important. This is so important. This is so important. There must be consistency in your worship. In the anatomy of devotion, your heart must not be far away from your mouth. In your physical body, there's some distance, but spiritually, they must be side by side. Your mouth must only say what your heart is saying. Come on, say loud amen. amen. Otherwise, you are lying. You are lying. And you forget that you are worshipping a spirit who sees through the charade. He sees through the demonstration. He sees the loud silence of your heart. Does it freak you out that Everything is bare before the Lord. <laughs> he sees your motives. He sees your intentions. We only see what you did. But he sees what you could have done. He knows true generosity. He knows your true capacity. He sees it all. And he can make an assessment. Every time he's making that assessment. Saying, these people draw nigh to me with their lips. But their hearts are far away. <laughs> so that means in worship, it matters where your heart is. It matters where your heart is. You see, this is what this generation doesn't know. We think that we can sing worship to God without consecration. There is no such thing. Worship is consecration. Worship is not complete until it is entire. If there is any aspect of you you are keeping from the reach of heaven, that's not worship. That's why David said, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all, listen, if it's not all, it's not complete, it's not worship. All that is within me. Bless his holy name. Listen, so, true worship must come from total surrender to the Lord. Ah. In this generation, there are many people who, for instance, 
say, I don't agree with this in the Bible, but I love Jesus. That's not worship. Let me give you a picture of worship. Casting down imaginations, that's worship. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, when you cast it down, that's worship. To say, God, your word will always reign supreme in my life. I'm not going to have arguments. It doesn't matter what is popular. Your word remains your word. Now, that's worship. Whether it is lyrical or not, whether it's in a song or not, worship must not be a moment. It must be a lifestyle. Come on, are you with me? It's a lifestyle of obedience. That's what true worship is. The one we do in church starts and ends. It has a time frame. True worship never ends. It's a testimony of your life. Thank you. Come on, are you listening to this? This is so important. So, all those arguments you've had in your life, let me tell you something. It doesn't matter how well you sing. If a contrary argument can thrive in your life, the devil can still get you. He can still come and say, did God say you should not? Let me give you another angle. If you eat of this fruit, this is what will happen to you. When you are a worshiper, you bring down. Because listen, if God is not absolute priority in your life, you don't know the first rule of worship. That's, 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 you, you must dethrone everything else. I think I'm going to talk more about this in the midweek service. You must dethrone everything else. Hallelujah. Either midweek service or deeper in Portacot. I'm going to teach on how to glorify God. A lot of people don't know. They don't know. Sometimes it's not what you do to God. It's what you do to other things. You must dethrone other things. You must make sure nothing else competes. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. That's worship. Please, are you listening to me? Oh, that's worship, I tell you. That's worship. Obedience. So, when you are Cornelius, for instance, you are not saved, but you are getting everything else. You are generous. You give alms. You pray daily. God will send you. Listen, this is supernatural intervention. God sends an angel to say, send for Peter. He will tell you words by which you will be saved. Because guess what? I'm happy you are generous, but you must be saved. For some people, worship is generosity. Worship offering. Are you aware there are people in church, they are not willing to change their life, but they can give any offering? Like Cornelius. Well, God is saying, yeah, that's good but you must be born again. So like I was saying, we have bought a false narrative that we can have worship or devotion without consecration. 
We see people who can sing all kinds of vulgar lyrics. And then when they are given an award, say, first and foremost, I want to thank God. Ah! The nerve. This era of grace has saved many people. Because thunder would have splitted your hair. Just giving you, what do they call that thing? No, it's not parting, you're a guy. What do they call that thing? When they want to start plaiting your hair and they divide it with comb. Um, there's, a, there's a name I'm looking for. Anyway, parting. You would have just div- changed your hairstyle first as warning. Turn down. <laughs> so, you know, someone wrote a song. The same song. I want your body sleeping in my bed. Then next line, serving a living God. You know, if I was God for a day. <laughs> you know, and the thing about being God is you can kill in many creative ways. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> Don't mind me. I, I, if I was God, I would be nice. But thank God we will never know. <laughs> Just thank God that we will never know. <laughs> you, uh, you just say, have you ever blown air into a balloon, then release the balloon? The way the balloon is going, you say, I want mess to end this person like that. Let's <laughs> go. To God be the glory. <laughs> because which, which kind of Allah is that? If you deserve Satan, serve Satan with your full chest and leave us alone. I'm joking. Today I'm going to make three altar calls. And you're not necessarily going to come out, but if you need to stand up, I'm going to need you to please stand up. Listen, when you do the barest minimum, the effect is also barest minimum. So even if you are correct that you don't have to stand up, It does something to you, not to God, to you. It's a step of decision. You know, I took an effort to say, no more. So God is calling home prodigal sons. Listen, the story of the prodigal son is not a salvation story. The prodigal son was a son that strayed. Come on, are you with me? So one of the greatest things you can do in a worship service is to say, to say, God, I know I've been coming to church. I've been singing with everybody, but I'm far. I'm far. This is not rededicating your life. This, those are terminologies that we invented. Do you understand what I'm saying? A son is a son. But you just want to say, I've been living a life that is in 
that is inconsistent with my nature. It might even be the small things. Ah, it's been long I read my Bible. It's been very long I prayed. I pretend to, but I don't. I don't have a prayer life. God, I want you to change me. Now, that's, that's worship. Not just singing with everybody, with your Sunday best. And, we, you know, we just look at you and you look okay. God! I'm here with the heart of worship. When the music fades, I want to be stripped bare so that my true identity, not who people think I am or the identity you already know, I want to open up to it so that you can help me. The second order call I'm going to make, you're just, you're just going to stand up. There has to be a great connection between worship and healing. I know it theologically and I know it by experience. In every season of special worship in this church, incredible things happen. As great things as happen, maybe in the month of Holy Ghost or any power series, in months of worship, incredible things happen. Did you hear what I said? And of course, the third I'm talking about, the third altar call, just in case there's anybody here who is not born again. True worship is a story of salvation. It begins at the cross. Everything else is false. There is something the Bible calls strange fire. It might look like what is genuine, but it's strange. The spirit realm can't recognize it. It's just like trying to use a false password to unlock a phone or a, phone or a computer. It just won't work. And you can act the part and fool every one of us. But the standard of the Lord stands sure. God knows those who are his. Hallelujah. When that Samaritan woman asked, where is the place to worship? Jesus said, you shall neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem worship. All these things were but a type and a shadow of real worship. The real lamb is Jesus. And he is the true worshiper. The true worship is salvation. Him being offered up. As the Lamb of God, a worthy substitute for you and I. And so our worship begins with acknowledging what he has done, believing what he has done. The beginning of worship, the first page of the divine worship book is to say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He laid his life down for me. 
believe in you. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's the beginning of worship. Every other thing you begin to do might be strange. Like that woman from Canaan, if you don't belong to the Israel of God, you will shout and give him all forms of appellation and he's just going to go on ignoring you. Doesn't quite work. Listen, yes, God answers the prayer of sinners, but the Bible says the time of ignorance, God has winged that. He now calls to everyone to repent. A time is going to come. He's going to demand that you respond to the knowledge of salvation that you have. And that time has come. Hallelujah. I'm coming back with the heart of worship. It's all about you. I'm coming back with the heart of worship. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.